everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you find encouragement today as you listen. It's, it's so good to be back. And I'm so excited about the message this morning uh, because it is the sixth, we're going to be looking at the sixth sign or miracle of the seven that the gospel writer John uh, puts in his gospel, which is so different than Matthew, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which has dozens and dozens and dozens of miracles. And John chooses just seven that we focus on here. He calls them signs. And this is the sixth of those signs. In fact, this is what the end of John says in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. It says, Jesus before, performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, of course. He's just giving us seven of these miracles. He said, but these are written to you, or that you, I should say, may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're written so that uh, uh, those coming in generations to come, which include us, and those who would be reading this gospel would uh, be confident that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that, look at this, by believing, you may have life in his name. So that's the purpose of this beautiful gospel, that we might discover life in Jesus' name as we discover the real Jesus, as we discover this amazing work that he's done for us uh, in the, uh, on the cross and in his life as he's pointing us to the Father throughout this beautiful gospel. Uh, so, again, uh, the seven miracles, the seven signs, uh, in case you've maybe missed a Sunday, uh, we've looked at the, uh, the, the miracle at Cana, the first miracle, and that was turning the water into wine. And then there was also another miracle at Cana, which the other gospels don't list, and that was an official son who was very sick, and Jesus healed him uh, from a distance. And then, of course, the, the pool of Bethesda and the lame man and uh, the feeding of the 5,000, which shows up in the other gospels, as well as walking on water. And this morning, we arrive at the sixth sign, and here it is in John chapter 9. Ladies and gentlemen, verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi or teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, thank you for the revelation of your life and your spirit and uh, what the word can do in our lives. And we, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to, to speak to us today as we, as we look to this beautiful story and, uh, and teach us and um, uh, deposit what you would have us to hear and understand this morning into our hearts, our souls, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so look at this. The, the, the questions, uh, the question gives insight into this religious thinking of that day. Who caused this man's blindness? Who sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents? Uh, now, in that day, if you were good, uh, it was understood that good things would happen to you. If, uh, if, if you were bad, bad things would happen to you. So then if you're walking around and you're really blessed, it means you must be righteousness, uh, righteous. And if you're walking around and you're broken, it must mean that uh, you've, you're not righteous, you're unrighteous, or you've sinned. And it's maybe, a, it's for sure, a bit of a faulty thought or premise or, or theology, but it was, as we can see here, it was very prevalent in Jesus' day. Um, now, let me tell you this. There is a truth. If I go out and I drink myself silly, if I shoot things into my veins that I shouldn't, uh, normally you shouldn't shoot anything into your veins. If I live life really crazy, uh, there's a good chance that, 
the wages or the, the price of that sin in my life is going to lead to destruction, okay? So that's, that's, that's true. There's some truth in, you know, I can invite through my actions, my sinful actions, brokenness and uh, deterioration and, 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 and death to my physical body. In fact, I was with a pastor's wife this week and her husband, and she teaches in the public schools there in the Denver area, and she's got several students who, um, uh, uh, who, who are suffering in their, in their maturation in elementary school because of what happened to them in the womb, because their, their mother was maybe uh, taking drugs or, or drinking excessively, and the result was that they have, uh, they, they have a learning disability and they're trying to catch up. And so we can see that sometimes that can even affect um, uh, a preborn child. Uh, but the conclusion was skewed. In fact, it was a bit ridiculous. Who sinned? Look at this. The man or his parents? This man, what they're saying is he's born blind. <laughs> and I guess the assumption is then he sinned in the womb. And I'm trying to imagine how you sin in the womb, okay? <laughs> I just I know to try to imagine that. You know what? What am I doing? Am I am I lying? Am I? If you're a twin, now Jacob was grabbing his brother Esau's heel, so maybe he was the only one that we know of that maybe sinned in the womb. But the fact is, you don't do a lot in the womb, except you just you reside there and you grow there, and it's a season of of protection until you're born. And so you can see how uh, how warped this could be. And how would you like to be the, be the blind man in this story, okay? Because what the scripture says, as they passed, who's passing? It's Jesus and his disciples. As they passed by, uh, he saw a blind man from birth. This is Jesus. Uh, and I guess it's himself, but his disciples are with him and they ask this question. Now, I, I believe they knew that this man was blind from birth because they'd passed by this place several times. Believe that he's in Jerusalem during this time. And we see in John's gospel, he had been in Jerusalem plenty of times in the three years of his ministry. So he'd seen this man in his broken condition, probably there begging for bread, maybe begging for some money to care for himself. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have much to, to live on. And, uh, uh, and, and as, they, as they pass by, this is, this is what's taking place. Uh, uh, how, you know, how would you like to be this blind man in this story? The ancient world had no assistance. There was no training. There was no braille. There was no uh, 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 dogs maybe that would lead like we have today. It's amazing some of the, the, the creativity and caring for those who maybe have this disability. So he's left to beg for a living. And again, if that's not bad enough, He's just sitting there. He's, it doesn't even say in this text that he's asking for anything. He just becomes the topic of conversation. Kind of like, hey, I, I hear you, you know, who sinned, this man or his parents? And this guy's just sitting there going, it's bad enough I can't see. Now you're sitting there standing in front of me and you're talking about me. And, and, uh, and of course, this, this idea of it must be his sin that caused his blindness. Again, it's, 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 a, it's a warped teaching, and, uh, and Jesus, thankfully, had a different take on this, and here's what his take is. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Isn't that great? Uh, things were going to change that day in Jerusalem. Things were going to change in a lot of ways, but uh, see, we, we live in this fallen world. Sure, we can do things that create sin. There's a you know, there's a reverberation effect in our lives as we, as we do things. Uh, it, it, it was a broken idea that literally in the womb, a child could be responsible for, for sin in that sense. 
But the fact is we live in a broken, a very broken and a very distraught, a world plagued with sin. And in this place, oftentimes, innocent lives are caught in the crossfire in this broken world we're in. And I believe that's what the case, and Jesus is making that clear. That was the case of this man who, all his life, we don't know how old he was, but he was old enough to speak for himself. So maybe he's a teenager, maybe he's in his 20s or 30s, but he's there and his occupation because of that ancient world was basically to sit and to beg uh, in order to survive now, I just want you to see three things this morning in this story. Uh, and the two things I'm going to dwell on, and the third thing we're just going to close with briefly, but it's this. And, uh, and, and, and there's no pun intended when I say three things to see, all right? The first thing is a test. The second thing is the truth. And the, and the third thing is a teaching. And this is often what Jesus would lay out in the Gospel of John. And John shows us that there's, there's a testing that goes on, that there's, that there's a, a, a truth that's revealed, and also there's something, a takeaway, a teaching that he, that he brings to light uh, when, when, when he... Uh, when he does a miracle or a sign, okay? And so now, like all the other miracles, there's a test of faith that we look at first here. And that test of faith uh, it, it happens prior to the actual miracle taking place. Earlier in John, the official son, uh, he came and he asked Jesus on behalf of his son, and Jesus uh, responded. He said, okay, go now. Your, your son is, 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 has been made whole. Uh, and the man departed, and in the process, his servants come running to him, and sure enough, he checked his, his watch a lot better than I checked my clock this morning, and he recognized about the time Jesus released him was the time that the breakthrough happened. But there was this, uh, there was this test first. You have to, by faith, you go now. Your son's not here. And the same thing with a man who was lame for 38 years at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus said, do you want to be healed? And the guy said, yeah. It's okay, then right now, pick up your bed or your mat and begin to walk. And the guy had to respond to that. He, he had this test. He goes, well, there's no way. For 38 years, I've not been able to budge, move. And he did. He obeyed and he stood and he walked and God blessed him. And that miracle uh, was performed. Now, uh, this, this man, this story this morning is a little bit different. He's not, it doesn't seem, looking for healing, he is a part of a conversation, right? Uh, he's just begging for some spare change or some bread. And uh, motivation for the healing comes via a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples who ask him the question. Uh, so how does this man's faith get tested if he's not a part of the conversation? Uh, so here it is. And Jesus, though he's not talking face to face and, and asking this thing, uh, he, he does test this man's faith, and it's, it's in two ways. It's, it's, it's it through mud pies and a long walk, all right? Look at it here. Here it is right here. It says, after saying this, what he just said is, man hadn't sinned, this so God could be glorified. He spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which in the, word, the word literally means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. I didn't put that. That's what your scripture says this morning if you're following along in John chapter 9, right? The word Siloam means uh, sent, okay? And uh, uh, do you know what the significance of the mud was this morning? Do you know what it is? Neither do I. I have no clue what the mud means. I had, you know, not, not a lot of you already know that. You've, you've come across some teaching and you'll tell me later. I don't care. I don't think we know what the purpose of the mud was. It's really strange, actually. In fact, um, what I did kind of look up and try to unpack a little bit from my own mind is, uh, is, is the idea of saliva 
in, in the ancient world, maybe the pagan world, the Gentile world, it was believed that spit uh, had uh, some, some healing properties in it. But also I, I seem to understand and, and discover that in Judaism that wasn't so. That would have been considered dirty. So they probably made some, some laws that you can't use spit for medicinal purposes. Uh, and, and so, but Jesus is doing this. And I'm, I'm trying to imagine, you know, can you imagine this? He's probably sitting. The blind man is likely sitting down maybe on a stool or a log or something. And, and, and he's hearing this conversation. Hey, I'm, I'm still here, guys. You're talking about me. You know, I really didn't have much to do with this. I just, I've never seen anything. I just hear people talking about everything. And, and Jesus, can you imagine? He's talking and all of a sudden he goes. <laughs> 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 now, I, I don't, you know, I don't see. I just, I know what that sound is. I probably know, because I've done that myself, I, I know the result of what's coming. <laughs> now, I'm trying to imagine the dirt. How, mu- this is just my, my weird brain, how much do I have to spit to create a mud pie? <laughs> so, can you, yeah, can you imagine kind of the discomfort of this poor guy who didn't invite this, any of this? He's just sitting there and, <laughs> and Jesus is just working and working. And then, you didn't see this coming at all. Then he just starts to, you know, he just starts to plaster it in your eyes. Now, just because you're blind doesn't mean your eyes aren't open. And I hope you look at Jesus Christ says, close your eyes. <laughs> the guy goes, why? And then he starts rubbing this mud in his eyes. Um, quite a picture, isn't it? I, I, I try to get into these stories, and uh, no matter how you look at it, I, I, it doesn't make sense. And the method that he's using uh, probably would have been very unexpected. But there's a test in this because, you see, he could have rejected that. Nobody had ever done that before, and it wasn't a common thing that I'm aware of, that, that we're aware of. Scholars don't see it. It's very unique. He could say, well, well, don't, don't do that. He could, have, he could have pushed him away. He could have rejected it. He could have um, protested it. This is cruel. Stop it. Would you get that out? of Stop. You know, imagine. But the first test he passed, and he, he allowed the Lord to touch him in a very unusual way. Now, here's an observation. You know, if we want to be touched by God, sometimes we, must, we just need to accept the method in which he wants to touch us. And it's not always the way we want to be touched. It's not always the way we want our soul healed. It's not always the way we're we would expect it to be done. But if you want to be touched by God, we have to accept the method in which he's going to do so. And the second test you see here is Jesus tells the the blind man to go and wash in this pool. Now, what's so special about the pool? Again, I don't know. The only thing I think that might be leading to it is what John says the name of the pool is. And so he Instead of just, and you know, Jesus healed people on the spot all the time. But now he's sending this blind man on a journey. Again, doesn't this sound cruel? Have you, I've never been to Jerusalem, but I've seen enough pictures. Jerusalem isn't like Western Kansas, okay? I grew up there. I could see the, I could see the, uh, the elevator where they stored the grain 10 miles away from our back door when I was five or six years old. That's where I went to, that's where I went to elementaries. 10 miles away. From Levant, Kansas, I could see the elevator, which was probably 30 stories high, 20 stories high, something like that, uh, 
from my backyard. But Jerusalem is like, whoa, ooh, you know, it's like a ride at Six Flags, that one of those crazy, you know, you're up and you're down and it's rough terrain and this man can't see. And now the test is, now you got this mud in your, don't do anything, go to this pool, which means scent. So I'm sending you to scent to wash your eyes. And he obeyed him. Now, don't you wonder what he was thinking on the way? I mean, come on, can you imagine? All right. First of all, it's not an easy journey. It's, you know, if it was from the temple, the pool was in southeast Jerusalem. So, again, it's a rugged terrain. So it, it took some time. It wasn't like, uh, okay, go to the pool over by the gym here, you know, and wash your eyes, the, the men's bathroom. It was blocks and blocks away probably, and it probably took him a, a decent period of time because he, he can't do this. He can't, he can't power walk or jog, you know, he, if he has some help, he still has to go because you're watching for stumbling and the whole, the whole, uh, the whole uh, journey. Uh, but the beautiful thing is uh, uh, with, 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 with mud-filled eyes, he is sent to receive his sight and he, he does just that. And he could have protested, yeah. He could have said... Uh, uh, again, you, first you do this in my eyes, now you're making me walk. This, this is ridiculous. But if anyone, and, and I would say this, if anyone needed the instant healing, it would have been him. If anyone needed right there, none, none of this prolonged stuff, none of this creative healing, just open my eyes. All my life I've been blind. Just do it right now, Jesus. You can do it. But he sent him, and he obeyed. And, uh, and uh, we don't know what he was thinking on the way, but we know that he followed through because he returned sometime later and his eyes were opened and miraculously he was able to see. Now the question I ask you this morning, can you relate to this story? Can you relate? None of us here uh, have physical blindness per se that I know of, maybe some deteriorating eyesight is common, but none of us here have been born blind and experienced this kind of a miracle uh, but what we're seeing here is this amazing stepping out in faith. It's a, a faith that's being tested. It's, it's journeying towards your healing. Most of the healing's just bam, and it was done. You know, I like that. Here comes Jesus, bow, and man, like raises the dead, and people rise from the dead. Lepers are healed, all these things. This man is journeying because Jesus has instructed him to do so towards his, towards his answer and towards his, his, his healing and like this man, we, we oftentimes need to act out of faith. We need to step out in faith. We need to go on a, a journey towards our healing. Maybe it's recovery. Maybe it's something physiological. Maybe it's something emotional. And don't give up. God's speaking healing over you. Jesus, I believe, is in our journey, and he's continued to walk in it and, and wait for that day when, uh, when your eyes are open, when your life is fully restored. Uh, and, and, our, and our job as Christ's followers, we just, we just simply follow God's commands despite you know, not always being able to see where we're going, right? That's our job. We just, isn't that kind of blind followership? Absolutely. Because see, the world says this, I'll believe it when I see it, right? Have you said that before? It doesn't make you bad. You don't have to raise your hand. But I always, come on, show me Show me the money. I'll believe it when I see it, right? But see, in God's economy, I want to say this right, we will see it when we believe, all right? It's, it's flipped around, isn't it? 
in, in the world's economy, it's like, listen, you show it to me, I'm gonna believe it. In God's economy, it's you believe it, you stand on it, you journey towards it, and you realize it, and God brings it, brings it so. Sometimes instant, sometimes it's a journey, but we will see uh, when we believe. So that's, that's the first thing. That's the test that this man went through. It was kind of uninvited, but what a test it was, and he faithfully followed it. And then there's also a truth that we see here, the truth or the revelation. Uh, uh, and, and you can see this scripture here in John chapter 9. I'll look at it here in a minute. But first, I just want you to see this. With each miracle that John records, there comes a revelation of who Jesus is. I shared earlier, water into wine. There's a revelation that uh, Jesus was introducing an everlasting covenant, and that water was kind of the old and the, the wine. Wine was the new and salvation was that new wine being poured out in the earth because Jesus, the God-man, the Son of God, was walking into the world and we are the byproducts of that for sure and that first uh, audience was as well. Salvation has come. The official son, Jesus reveals himself as the word of God. The lame man, he, he revealed himself as the one who forgives sins. The feeding of the 5,000, remember? The bread of life. Uh, the walking on the water. Uh, that passing of the old system and being replaced by a new system with new beginnings. And it's just, he's, these teachings would follow, but the truth was being revealed. And, this, and, and uh, today we see uh, what, uh, what the truth is right here. As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me, Jesus said, or I must do it, uh, or we must. But night is coming. When no one can work, he says, look at this. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So the truth that Jesus is building this miracle around uh, is, is just that, that Jesus is the light of the world. Now, I had the best eyes that you can imagine. I had better than 20-20 vision. They say, sure, right? I've had these for like 15 years, these glasses. But I think I was, uh, uh, was it nearsighted where you have really good eyesighted eyesight and then... Uh, you hit a certain age, and it starts to go. And I remember when I saw the difference, I'd be driving at night, and I couldn't see the signs anymore. It was the freakiest thing, because I used to be able to see, like, 20 miles in the distance. Well, 10 miles, right? I could see the neighbor, right? You heard that testimony this morning. But everybody could see that. Everybody could see those big elevators 10 miles away. But I always had very better than 20-20 vision. And then things started to go south. And I noticed when you take my most difficult things, when you dim the lights or at dusk or when the signs were illuminated, I go, I've got to get this taken care of. And that's when I begin my journey to the, how do you say that, ophthalmologist? Yeah, that guy. And uh, we're friends now. So, uh, but it, it's really something because when you, when you, think, of, when you think of truth, it, as long as it's day, uh, Jesus is saying, uh, uh, I'm going to be working. And some believe the night that's coming was actually the cross in that time. But what, what, and then the light of the world, and we see Christ as the light in our world today, even though he's not in it uh, because of, of who he is in our lives. But the truth is that I am the light of the world. And that's the second of seven I am's. Uh, we'll touch on maybe one or two more of these I am's next, uh, well, not next week, but before we conclude this. Uh, 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 this sermon series before Christmas. But the first one was the bread of life. Now, this is the second of seven I am's, and it's I am the light of the world. And the purpose, he's revealing his calling uh, and, and, and that calling to open blinded eyes spiritually or blinded hearts. Uh, we used to sing a song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. That's, 
the, the opening of our, our spiritual awareness, Jesus has come to shed light on our, our darkness and lead us into his light. And this is evident in this blind man's journey. Uh, in fact, there's three stages that we see quickly that he's going through. First of all, he's just standing there, you know, innocent, and he becomes a point of conversation. Jesus does this thing, and he goes to the, the pool, washes his eyes, and now he can see. And uh, he, is, uh, he returns to his neighbor's, and this is funny, we're not going to look at it, but his neighbors, again, he's standing in their midst and they're saying, was he always blind? No, he wasn't always. Is this the guy that was blind? No, I don't think it can't be the guy. He's going, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. Yes, I was blind and now I see. And he says something this way, how then were your eyes open, the neighbors said, and they asked. Uh, and he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. He told me to go to the pool. So I went, washed, and look at here, I can see. I'm him. We're talking about me. I'm right in your midst. I'm right. Hey, hey, oh, everybody. Here I am. I can see. But look what he's saying. He doesn't know really who the man was, so he just calls the man Jesus the man. And that's that first phase because he's on this journey. And you see two more points here, but I think that's interesting. Uh, uh, the man, Jesus, he identifies him as this person who healed him. And next he's brought before the religious leaders, the Pharisees. That's the, the re religious elite. They're very powerful uh, in Israel at that time. And they begin to interrogate him. Uh, this man, they're saying, is not from God or he wouldn't have healed on a Sabbath. So what say you? Obviously, we know because we're spiritual and we have all this God understanding, all this theology. He's a sinner. Now, who do you say? And others question, how does a sinner perform such signs? So there's even a split amongst the religious leaders. If he's a sinner, how is he doing these supernatural signs? And, uh, and so there's this little battle going on. And, uh, and then they, they turn to him and they say uh, uh, to this blind man who was blind, formerly blind man, what do you have to say about it? It was your eyes that are open. The man replied, He's a prophet. It doesn't say the prophet. I'm trying to think if some of the translations say the prophet that they're hoping for. I think right here, he's, he's got to be a little bit more than a man as he's listening to these, this interrogation process taking place. He's starting to get a little bit of a revelation. Well, he's more than just the man, Jesus. He, I guess he's a prophet. I like what Max Licato says about a true story of a man whose eyes were opened. Listen to this. For 51 years, Bob Edens was blind. He couldn't see a thing. His world was black and it was like a black hall of sounds and smells and he felt his way through five decades of darkness and then, uh, then he could see. A skilled surgeon performed a complicated operation and for the first time, Bob Edens had sight. He, said he found it overwhelming. I never would have dreamed that yellow is so yellow. <laughs> he said, he, and he exclaims, says, I don't have the words. I'm amazed by yellow, but red, red is my favorite color. I just can't believe red. I can, I can, and I look, I can see the shape of the moon. I only heard people talking about, and, and, and I like nothing better than seeing a jet plane fly across the sky with, with a vapor trail. And of course, he says, the sun rises and the sun sets. Wow. And he says, at night, I, I look up at the stars in the sky and I see the flashing light. You could never know how wonderful everything is. Can you imagine that? We know, we have a friend who had her eyesight until she was, uh, I don't know, 12 years old. And then there was a tumor that affected that and she's totally blind now. And she's finished her college. She came and spoke to the women's ministry for a bloom retreat a few years ago, Emily Zimmerman. 
and she functions very well. She's got a job now. She's out of college. But sometimes I'll talk, be talking to her, and I'll say, do you remember? And sure, she remembers how brilliant yellow is, and she remembers how beautiful red is, and she remembers the shape of the moon. But it's, all the lights have been turned off in her life at this time. Now, you would think, you know, here's these Pharisees. Again, I'm trying to get inside the mind in the, the moment. You would think these Pharisees would be going, wow, this is spectacular stuff. Let me take him for a sightseeing tour around Jerusalem. He's grown up worshiping maybe in the temple and being brought to these places. Let me take you by the hand and show you. In Wouldn't you want to be the first one to lead the blind man, born blind, around your city, around your place of worship? Maybe down to the River Jordan to show him how blue, blue is a cool color. You know, I like green because I like the golf. I just, I take him to my favorite golf course. This is, now, you don't want to see my game, but you're going to love to see what I see when I try to do my game out here, you know? But no, these Pharisees are so intent. They are so driven on, on getting down to the sin. Who would ever dream of breaking the Sabbath? This man, Jesus, who you call a prophet, has to be a sinner. Now, uh, you, 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 after all this uh, great miracle, this man was, was obviously set free from his blindness. And he would much rather, like I said, be out enjoying this new world than attending an inquisition. But the religious leaders weren't content. And so now they call his parents. They say, he must be lying, this guy. This can't be true. So they bring his parents in and they go, yeah, he is born, he is born blind. And they're trying, to, they're trying to get him to say who did it and they know what's up. Because see, Jesus had been moving around Israel for probably two, two and a half years at this point, doing powerful things, supernatural things in Jerusalem where they're at now, up in the, up in the area of, the, of the, the Galilee. Word had spread far and wide. This man has a miraculous ministry. And what, what the religious leaders were, were intent on, do not say that he's the Messiah. In fact, they'd made a rule. If anybody calls him the Messiah, it's out of the synagogue, which basically meant culturally, if you were thrown out of the synagogue, people treated you like you were a leper. I mean, they could only get so many yards from you. You were... You were exiled from community because the synagogue was their life. And if you are removed from that, it means you're removed from the culture, removed from relationships of that day. And so the parents weren't going to buy into it. It's not that they're being mean, act playing dumb, like, oh, I don't know who. You know they know who did it. You know they'd already. This, this was their son who for decades was blind, and they know exactly the, the, the name of the man and probably where he lives who, who healed him. But they're not saying a thing. They say, hey, listen, you ask him, he's of age. You get So they bring him back in. They bring the blind man back in and they begin to grill him again. Kind of the same questions. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and, and here's what it says in verse 24 and 25, a second time they summoned him. And they're saying, give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. Because we know the man's a sinner. It had to have been God. <laughs> Little did they know, he was God. And, uh, and, and, and he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I like this. Once I was blind, but now I see. One thing I do know, I can't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with you on what's wrong and what he, how he broke the rule, your rules that were added to the rule, but all I know is I can see, and it's, it's changing my world rapidly. Uh, and I want you to hear this. 
And, and I want you to hear this in your own life because this is true for your testimony. A man or a woman with an experience is never at the mercy of a man or a woman with an argument. Some may argue your life and your faith. Some may tell you all the reasons why it doesn't make sense. But when we encounter Jesus, when our lives are set free, when we see the brokenness healed in our lives, when we experience that great grace and that forgiveness, the gospel that Tim was talking about, when, the, when we encounter gospel and the Christ who birthed and spoke this gospel into existence, that's an experience that, uh, I don't know, all I can tell you is once I was blind and now I see. I, I may not be able to figure all this stuff out. You're, you're the heady intellectuals. You're the theologians. You're the, you're the cultural thinkers. All I know is I have an experience here and uh, nobody can change that. Uh, in verse 17, I should say, uh, I guess I'm, I, I got to keep going here. The man is evolving at, during this time, by the way, in his own faith. Uh, uh, from Jesus the man uh, to Jesus the prophet, and, uh, and they continue to interrogate him. And then he gets impatient. I like this. He goes, he goes if this man were not from God, he could do nothing uh, to this. So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of dialogue. You can read it yourself. This they kind of flipped out and they said, you are steeped in sin at birth. They go all the way back to the first question. This was a popular, these were the teachers of that warped theology, that warped understanding. And they said, listen, you're a sinner because from birth you're a sinner and that's why you were blind. How dare you lecture us? And they excommunicated him. They voted him off the island. They threw him out. And now... This blind man who all his life was exiled, probably, you know, is, I don't know how much his parents helped him, but there he is. I don't know if somebody led him to the gates of the city to beg and to ask for food. But now this blind man who's been set free in life has now been excommunicated to probably a life similar to where he began. That's a bad, that's a really good day that's kind of going bad right now. Except for Jesus. Except for Jesus. Because he encountered Jesus, the light of the world. And, uh, and here's what it says. Jesus heard about uh, their throwing him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, to understand that phrase, and we've talked about it in the past, you have to go back to the, the, the book of Daniel, which is a, a history of, of Israel and Babylon, but also a prophetic book. And Daniel kind of goes all prophetic at a point in his, in his writing from Babylon, and he starts talking about the Son of Man, which is a messianic term. So, I mean, we, you know, it's Son of Man that, that John is using here, but could have just as well have said the Messiah, the Christ, the supernatural sent one by God, the King of all kings, okay? We can, we can pack it as rich and as deeply as we want to, but he's saying, do you believe Jesus is asking this man in the Son of Man? And he goes, who is he? Because remember when Jesus, he was still blind when he went off to the pool to wash his eyes. He'd never seen Jesus face to face. Maybe he's recognizing his voice. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Uh, tell me that I may believe in him. And Jesus says, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. From man to prophet to Lord. Let's stand together, shall we? I love that. I love it. That guy had no idea 
that he's going to encounter a supernatural miracle that day. But the biggest miracle and the greatest miracle was the fact that, that he would never be alone again. Even though his culture, even though his people may have rejected him, he was now being born into a culture and a community that would never reject him. A gathering of Christ followers who, because of Christ's death and his resurrection, would only grow exponentially and would just begin to branch out to the surrounding areas, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. That's the Bible we read. And here we are in Madison, Wisconsin, 2,000 years later, talking about this man, talking about his encounter, exiled by the Pharisees of his day, but welcomed by the Son of Man, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's a teaching that follows this, and I'm not going to spend much time on it, but Jesus said, for, for judgment I have come into the world because the Pharisees are kind of probing him a little bit after all this happens. He says, for, for judgment I've come into the world. You can see it here. So that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him and they asked, what? Are you saying, are you saying we're blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see your, your guilt remains because they weren't seeing what the truth was. It took a blind man in his very common and his very basic and pure faith to transition from he's a good man to a prophet to the one sent by God to transform all the world, not just Israel. I love that. That's our story today. And I trust that all of us here are on that journey. Maybe, maybe you kind of understand him as a man that you've encountered and you've called out to him and you've seen some, tra tra maybe your eyes have been opened. Maybe your life has been transformed. But don't stop there. There's a, there's a greater depth that we can journey into as we, we see him as, as, as a supernatural voice and ultimately as the King of Kings, as the Lord of Lords, as our Savior. Now the teaching would continue into the next chapter and there's a good reason to go to connect groups this week because the Pharisees, it just there weren't chapters in the original John. We've turned these into verses and chapters, but that conversation continues on with the Pharisees and Jesus starts talking about a good shepherd and being the door, the gate, two more I am's uh, and how the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. And these Pharisees were so intent on doing what's right that they weren't hearing the good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, hearing his voice. And that's, I just put that out to you, any of you today, regardless of your spiritual journey, are you hearing the voice of the good shepherd in your life? He loves us. He cares for us. It may involve some, some stepping out in faith and some journeying towards our, our recovery, our healing, our, our freedom. But when he speaks, just begin to obey and see what he does. Trust your life and your journey with him. Amen. Lord, thank you for this beautiful message today. Thank you for your love today, Lord. Thank you for, Jesus, your, your revelation that you are the Son of Man, that you are the light of the world. And Lord, we just pray that you would show your light into the area of our hearts that are dark today, Lord, darkened by 
brokenness or sin or or pain of, of life, God, that you would, Jesus, shine your light into the crevices of our hearts where there's darkness and begin to speak life and and healing and uh, and reality and and, and visual uh, and vision, Lord, just vision to those places of blindness and darkness. We ask Jesus, you are Lord, you are our King, you are the one that saves and heals us, and we praise you for that, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, check out our website at www.ridway.church.